And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep on making animated Star Wars, Hope Molinax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to Jedi and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Bad Batch. I had to pause there, guys, because beforehand I was jokingly calling the show The Boot Booch. <laughs> I almost said Boot Booch. In this episode, the Boot Booch gets stuck on a desolate moon. Meanwhile, Crosshair gets a brand new team. There will be Moon Dragons, War Crimes, and my baby girl gets her own room. We're talking about the Bad Batch Episode 3 Replacements this week. How you doing, Chris? Ah, better. So, I'm supposed to ask Chris a question. Chris, tell me your Wi-Fi story. Well, as you know, the last couple weeks, like, I've been like, oh, it's touch and go. We've had trouble with where Skype's gone all googly, although you guys didn't know it because we cut it and, and started the call again and stuff, and my my wi-fi was going all goofy and basically our our um our modem was dying which it does every three years that the 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 company gives us the company and uh so we so uh we knew we had to bring the modem in and, and switch it out so my housemate went and switched it out and uh while we were switching after we switched it out the internet was still like grindingly slow like the like sunday we recorded for the audio drama and there were big wave files they were like the biggest there were three of them that were like 300 megabytes plus that i had to download you know that people had recorded usually takes a minute or so to download something like that they're taking 45 minutes and then Whoa, dying that's at, like dial-ups and then dying at the end well put a pin in dial-up speed and like I was going to, I, I went to get some pictures for the the um, picture for uh, last week's Bad Batch episode, and I went to pop it up on my screen, and it started coming in line by line. And I call up my roommate, and I'm like, "Look at this! Have you seen this in the last twenty some years? You oh know?" And she's God, like, "Holy really? shit, that's slow!" And like I could tell she was thinking about it, so. Today I come downstairs and she's on the phone with with uh, with Spectrum our, our and the Spectrum people and she's talking to the lady and uh, afterwards she's she tells me a story she's like yeah the last few days I went in to take the the modem in and the guy kept trying to upsell her going like hey what kind of phone do you have you know that sort of thing you know and she's like look I'm just here to switch out my modem and pay my bill. I want to do those two things and nothing else. I don't want to upscale. I don't want to buy anything. Can I just do that? And he said, yeah, fine. He brought her the modem and then he started again. She goes, look, please, I don't want to buy anything. And, you know, he was getting really pissed off at her that she didn't want to hear any sales pitches. Well, it turns out when she was talking to the, the lady who was, who was our, you know, helping her out was in like North Carolina or something, pulls up our account. Yeah, guess what our guess what our our speed had been set to? Dial up. Yep. 
What a douchebag. Yep. How about that? I hope you called and got him fired, because that's a bullshit thing to do. And I know, I worked 15 years of retail. That guy just pulled up our account and said, yeah, fuck you. And so I was trying to, like, run shit on dial-up for a whole week. Try Imagine trying to watch a YouTube video. <laughs> oh! <coughs> did you did you at least get to finish Loki? I did get to finish Loki, yes. What did you think of the finale? I liked it. It left it open-ended. It left it all sequeled, sequeled out, but I like it. I, I like that they're not going to fucking... I, I, I should have known that it was going to end with a multiverse because you got Multiverse of Madness coming out and, you know, the Spider-Man movie and, you know, multiverse is becoming very much a part of it. So, yeah, that's... Uh, mm -hmm. It was uh, it was it was very it's it was very entertaining. It was a very entertaining show, and it was weirder than your. It could have been weirder for my taste. Like the stuff that it borrowed from is is like weirder than it. But for a for a network show, so now I want to see Wandavision to see if Wandavision is 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 in the equally sort of weird area of you know bizarre storytelling and stuff. But they had some great conspiracy uh, yeah, there was uh, they had that you know they had the zone where the the creature would just eat anything that was put into the like forbid you know forbidden zone or whatever the negative zone or whatever not the negative zone but you know you know what i mean and there was that one shot of a big uh of a navy ship and all and all these people on it like well what the hell and it's eating them up and it was the uss eldridge from the philadelphia experiment the the one that they supposedly uh, sent into another dimension. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was cool. That was a nice little night. It was full of nice little references like that. Um, I really liked One Division. I just and and I'm just gonna preface this by saying I feel this way about like all the MCU shows so far, um, except for Hawkeye. Hawkeye is the only one I don't feel this way about. Um, I don't feel like it stuck the landing. Um, but other than that, I like the experimentation of One Division because pretty much it's like the seven stages of grief. Each episode is a stage of grief, but it's yeah. done in a different time period yeah. of classic television. And so I really like it. It's probably my second favorite. So yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty adventurous way of telling a story. And yeah, and even like, by I, I don't know, of, I... like even the changing of the camera angles, like in the um, like the the nineteen fifties one is shot like all like single camera up close but when the real reality comes in you can see like the sides of the screen widening to a wider shot like yes. so it's all really cool and 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 it's yeah and and loki had the sort of same technical atmosphere with the with the retro design of the of you know the whole time time cops type thing mm -hmm. And yeah, it was it, it was good. It could be weirder. I I didn't expect it to be weirder, and it was a little weirder than I expected. So I was I, I was very happy with it. Aww. I have big hopes. I hope I really with Sam Raimi directing. I hope the Multiverse of Madness movie is crazed. I hope they let it be crazed. But mm -hmm. <coughs> please let it be crazed. Yeah. I think Hawkeye is still my favorite one, but I just have a really soft spot for the Fraction Asia run. Like, I really love that run of comics. It's it's one of my favorite runs of comics of all time. So I have a little bit of a soft spot for that one. Um, 
<laughs> How about how's Hope's week been? <laughs> uh, it's been a little crazy. I'm in the process of applying for a job. So I've been in two interviews. So uh, I'm waiting to see. Um, Chris asked me why I was late for podcasting tonight. Why were you late for podcasting as my cat comes walking in trying to hop on my lap? Come on, buddy. So there's been a cat hanging out around Megan's house, which is a big deal because her, her, her cat, Slinky, does not like other cats. And so the fact that Slinky is like putting up with this other cat is, is cool because they might can get another cat. Yeah. Well, she asked, what should we name it? And we started throwing out all sorts of names. And me and Billy, being the Game Grumps shit posters we are, started throwing out all the stupid Link names that they named their characters when they play Legend of Zelda. So we definitely threw out Slurp and Spance. And I was like, please name your cat Spance. And Megan was like, no. And then... Did you go through a phase where it was like Blinky and Winky and Pinky, you know, yeah. so it would be Slinky and Pinky I, and Slinky I, and Winky? They, they did say Slinky and Slacky. Slinky and Stinky? Slacky. Oh, I, I know. I'm saying Slinky and Stinky. I'm still on the slink. I'm still on the Slinky rhyme. No, no. Uh, no, Slinky and Slinky. They said Slinky. Slinky. Slinky um, and Swanky. Um, but then I decided, I was like, wait a minute, Megan. You should name it Caesar because today is the Ides of March and schedule all his vaccinations on this day every year. Ooh, at two. <laughs> I thought it was clever. Um, but it looks like um, Kate, Kate being the lovely person she is, threw out Douglas. And she's like, I have a soft spot for animals that are named human names. And then Billy mistyped uh, Fugless. So right last time I checked, we were all celebrating the name Fugless Caesar. But I, I like I like Douglas because you got Doug, you got Dougie. I like Dougie. I, I, there, there, I used to work with a guy named Doug and I used to work with this guy from I don't know where he was from. He was from like the Polish Ukrainian area and uh, he used to he used to call him Dougie. Hey, Dougie, what's going on? And it was fucking great. I would love to have a cat called Dougie. It almost sounds like Doggy, too. Which is mi mildly insulting to a cat, maybe, depending I, on the cat. I had to bounce because we were about to record a podcast. So I had to jump out. But let me see. The last one we, we came up with that we were all just like, yeah, that one is um, Hot Hot Tater Top. Pliper and Lawrence Squared. Ooh. And, Ooh. but like Fugless Caesar is still like the most celebrated. All four of us I'm, was like, ha, Fugless Caesar. I'm guessing by the time we get any listener feedback on the cat's name, it should be named by then, though. Yeah, it will probably be named. But, but you uh, know, it wouldn't hurt to throw out a couple just in case. You never know. If yeah. Doubtful that like a listener will hit the sweet spot on this random cat, but you never I'm know. I'm so sad that she doesn't want to go with Spence. That would probably scare a cat, though. If I looked at my cat and went Spence, she'd be like, like why are you yelling at me? I like the name Vance too. Vance, Vance. Vance. It sounds classy. It sounds like easy. a Sonic the Hedgehog character. I hey, think I think cat. actually Pee Wee Herman's pig in Big Top Pee Wee was named Vance. That's why I think I like it. Is that like, a Vance the cat? 
There is a France. Cat Vance. T E. Vance Hamid. I can't. I can't get over Vance the cat. It sounds like a Star Wars, like a, a Sonic yes. Hedgehog character. Like, hey guys, I'm Vance the cat. I hang out with Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Like, uh, and Vector the crocodile, and Espio the echidna. No, Espio's a lizard. <laughs> Sorry, he's a chameleon. Anyway, so yeah, that's why Hope was late for for podcasting because Fugless Caesar is probably going to be the sport cat's name. <laughs> Though, have... though the best part of it was as we were just throwing out all these like bullshit names at Megan, she wrote back, this is why I didn't let any of you choose my child's name. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, all right, Megan, <laughs> with your weird ass name. It's not that weird. <laughs> no, her child's name is weird. <laughs> What's her child's name? Or do we not want to give... Child's name is it like Dweezil? Is it weirder than Dweezil's? Uh, how about this? Is it weezer, weirder than Dweezil Zappa? No. Well, is it's it weirder it's not, than Zoe Bowie. No, it's not spelled the way it sounds. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not even weird nowadays. That's that's pretty normal. Her name is Linnea, but it's okay. spelled Line I A. Okay. And I and I went, why that? And she's like, well. I was like, why did you spell it like that? It's like, because it, it looks like it line I and she was like, well, you know, in the word nay, when the E and the I are next to each other. And I'm like, that's not how grammar works, Megan. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> and she was like, if my child and I'm a professional editor, don't at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sad because we did get to pick her, her child's name if she had a boy because they wanted to have a boy. And we were like, well, what about Loxley? And if she had a boy, his name would have been Loxley. And I'm sad that I didn't get to name her child Loxley. Loxley sounds too much like a fancy lad. He sounds like he should have like a little Buster Brown outfit on with a little cap and like he should have cuffs on his collars and stuff. Not saying that there's it, anything it, to It's very them though. It like, just like, sounds, sounds very fancy lad. Like she's in the process of teaching her two-year-old how to say the word preposterous and she's almost there. She can. She says potterous. She can almost say preposterous. It's very much in Megan and Lauren to name their child. Uh, I, there Lockley. was a, my, my mother's boss who ran the newspaper was a writer and he taught his daughters to, to and he, he, he actually, he, his, he had like, he loved his English teacher so much from, from high school that she lived at their house, like this 80 year old lady and uh, taught all the kids to, you know, if anybody said anything poop or said shit or anything, they'd be like, that's enough of that scatological talk. Like, yeah. like <laughs> five-year-olds. No more scatological talk at the table. That's funny. Maybe anyway. Yeah. Bad Batch? But don't worry. We can have scatological talk in the Bad Batch. Yeah, we can. Because so this you shows think the shit. It really is the shit. What do you think about this episode? I liked it a little better than the last episode, which I'm sorry to say, you know, even though I know it's your favorite episode. I, I like this one a little better. I think this one was like sort of I think this one, you know, we had the the first one, which boom, introduces everything. The second one, which gets it where it's got to go. And this one's sort of establishing a little bit of like the status quo for the show, the status I, show. I feel like it's. A tale of two episodes. I think the Bad Batch story is fine. It's fine. 
it's a fine story. It's nothing crazy good. It's nothing bad. It's it's just a fine little story. The crosshair stuff is great. Like that is the meat of this episode. The crosshair storyline is amazing. Well, so it's, 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 so it's more it's, novel than than the stuff going on in the Bad Batch. It's and it's sort of like the perspective and, and his perspective is. Let's face it. There's just more interesting stuff happening over there. You know, he's he's in he's in the he's in the more like in the heat. You know, remember in the Clone Wars, like oh, a political episode. Well, in this epi- in this show, a pol- a pol- the politics are are like not going to be boring. They're going to be crazy and and mm-hmm. evil and you know. So and, yeah. And if so, if the entire episode had just been about like crosshair and all that. This would have been a fantastic episode. So I actually, like, as much as I... It, the Bad Batch side of the story is fine, but I do feel like it brings down the episode. So I, I, I think, so I, I think that's where I feel like last week, like, last week to me felt like a complete episode. Like, everything was balanced from beginning to end. This feels like two episodes happening at the same time. See, I, I'm, I, I, I sort of, with... I was sort of... I got a little bit of it in Resistance, and I remember talking about how I wanted more of it, or, you know, I was sort of... I think it was like it was probably before we started doing resistance and it was in between resistance season one and season two. And I was I remember sort of fantasizing that season two would be a split story where you would be cutting back and forth between, you know, the the resistance or between, you know, the the good guys and the and and the first order. And you had a little of that. You got a taste of it and i was hoping sort of for the same thing with when i saw the trailers for the bad batch that it would be sort of a a a, a you know that they, they would continue on you would you would have some sort of tab in the in the empire because that's you know all the shit is happening in the empire right now you know they're 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 all jockeying for position tarkin's get you know getting his shit together and and you know things are changing over and getting you know turning evil so it's so i that this is sort of this is sort of what i i like this format i like the format of like here's what's going on with the bad batch here's what's going on with crosshair and the empire and and then you have the you know the comparison between you know one being like going more in the human direction and the other go- rocketing away from the human direction, you know, into the inhuman yeah. direction. And I, mean, I, I like that. You're not wrong. Cause actually one of my notes is how this episode does remind me of an episode of resistance in a lot of ways, which in, in makes, a lot of ways, it, which makes sense because head writer is Jennifer Corbett and she worked on resistance. That was her only star Wars show she worked on. Totally um, not really, but like in, in the ideas, and the structure of how the episode function. And yeah. Works. It, it works. It, it reminds me a lot about Resistance. So anyway, you ready to get into it? I am. <clears throat> Replacements is the third episode of The Bad Batch. It aired on May 14th, 2021. It was written by Matt Michnovitz, who has written some of my favorite pieces of Star Wars animation. And directed by Nathaniel Villanova. Some extra information for you. ES-01, a.k.a. the boy soldier who dies, because they don't have names, apparently, is voiced by Emilio Garcia Sanchez. His other roles include Love in the Time of Corona, The Boonies, and The Society. ES-04, a.k.a. the lady with the flamethrower, is voiced by Daheli Hall. 
Her other works include Dear White People, Grace and Frankie, and because Hope just really loved this movie title that I wanted to say it out loud. I was a teenage wear skunk. And I clicked on it on IMDb and it looks like a wonderful little B-grade horror movie of this jock guy dressed up like a wear skunk. And I was just like, oh my god, this is perfect. Anyway. Project War Mantle was first mentioned in the movie Rogue One. In this episode, we discover that War Mantle involved the conscription and training of non-clone troopers for the Empire. The elite squad wears modified clone trooper armor that has been modified for the individual's body, which differs from the uniform clone trooper frame. And finally, Crosshair gets new armor in this episode as well, stripping away all of his Bad Batch colors and giving him a new Imperial aesthetic. You know who also has a sweet aesthetic? A, a sweet aesthetic? Yoga, Yoda is, is, is an aesthetic, yes. Boy, you got that sweet aesthetic. Yoda, sorry, Yoda's a little drunk tonight. <gasps> I just remembered a question from a listener. What? Oh, I didn't know. A question for Yoda? Yeah, yeah, but I didn't, I, I didn't write it, write it down. What was it? Um, oh gosh, who wrote it down? It was about Lego Star Wars. Lego Star Wars. Yeah, because you can play as Mama the Hut in the new Lego Star Wars game. Does it come in VR? Mm. <laughs> I'd have to check on that for you, Yoda. I don't actually know. Need some tiny goggles for Yoda. Tiny goggles for Yoda. Yoda knows how to find all the coins. <laughs> you gotta, gotta lift those Mama the Hut titties and get around. around. You gotta get all up in those wrinkles and them folds. So I do have a real question for you. A real question for Yoda. Yeah, you are a little drunk tonight. <laughs> oh wow! No, you're great. You're great. You sound normal. Perfectly normal. Nothing's wrong. Um, a package for, from a friend and thought he'd try it out. Mm. Well, my question for you is, this episode had a moon dragon, and this moon dragon had a horde of electronics in its den. If you were a dragon, Yoda, what would be in your horde? Oh, Yoda collects uh, many Jedi, um, Jedi artifacts, um, Jedi toenails. Yes, oh. Yoda has many of many different people. Much. Oh. Where are all the medical and, and Padawan rat tails? Yes. Do you do you have all the dirty magazines taken from Padawans? Uh, uh, Yoda, Yoda was not in charge of of the 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 materials that were that were uh, taken <gasps> away. That Mace was... Windu had all all the all the. Fake rubber crate dragon poo poo. No scatological talk, Yoda. Huh? Yeah. Yoda won't do scatological talk. Why toenails? Much midichlorians. That's where midichlorians go. They're what? heavy. They, they they gather in toenails. Yes. Yoda what makes you... tea. Mmm. Oh. Midichlority. 
Oh, I was hoping you were just gonna like Scrooge McDuck in them. Please don't drink toenails. Yoda does roll around in them too, yes. Oh, no, don't... don't drink the toenails, just the tea. Mmm, soak out the midichlorians. Ew. Anyway, Yoda, that on the I feel a little nauseous, so I'm just gonna send you on your way. Go enjoy your package from your friend. Wow. I don't like feet, and I, I actually like a brewery. <laughs> I felt like the bile rise in my throat on that one. Yeah. Oh god, like oh, I feel a little nauseous. Uh. <laughs> my, I I sat down with my cat with my horrible, ugly old man big toe buyer and she just looked at my big toe sniffed it and then just went Loop, and gave it a little <laughs> look and I'm like you're gross <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> you're probably gonna die now over over the weekend I was um, at my friend Francine's house and she has dogs and so like I was petting her dog Falcor who actually looks like Falcor Falcor who actually looks like Falcor from no- Never Ending Story he's a long white dog with like big curly oh, fluffy yeah, I ears know, I know the kind of dog you talk I've heard people describe those kinds of dogs as Falcor dogs before yep. I know exactly what you mean um, and so I had been like petting Falcor and stuff like that and I got home and my cat jumped in my lap and like nestled my hand and licked it and then like I saw her just like slowly pull back and like stick mm-hmm. her tongue out and like look at me like what happened? <laughs> oh my, my I, I was petting Mr. Meow the other day and 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 came in and, and was petting her and at first she was like yes yes and then she was like wait and did the whole smell with the mouth open, you know, where they just keep their mouth open a little bit. And I was like, oh, what do you think? And she's just like hissing and like, rah! cheated on me. Mm-hmm. I think See, he could be her boy. She thinks he could be her boyfriend, but we won't let her out. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, th- maybe th- if his name was Fugless Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> Not letting Fugless near Bernice, let me tell you. <laughs> or Mr. Meow. All right, act one. Act one. We open with the Bad Batch's ship. I think it's called the Marauder. The Marauder sucks. It is going through hyperspace, and it's like falling to pieces, leaving all this trash debris behind because the Marauder is breaking apart, essentially. And meanwhile, inside, Omega is making the most of her brand new life. She is, like, curled up against Gonky. She's reading her book. She's laying in the floor. And, yeah, and Hunter's like, hey, it's mealtime. Here you go, child. And Wrecker's just like, I want to eat all the food. And so he, like, eats all his food in, like, one gulp. He's like, hit me with another. And Hunter's like, hey, we don't have a J-O-B anymore. Like, we have to, we have to actually, like, save food. And Mega, being the sweet girl she is, she's like, you can have my food, Wrecker. And he's like, all right. And Hunter's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? We're parents now. She sleeps in the cupboard. You know, she's like pulling like a fairy tale thing right now, sleeping in cupboards. And in like our sock drawer, Wrecker, don't eat her food. And he's like, I'm sorry. No, Mega, you can eat all the food. I'm sorry. I'll fix it, Hunter, in the act three climax. And did I mention their ship sucks? Because it's all breaking apart. And everyone's like, Echo, fix it. And Echo's like, well, it'd be nice if I had help fixing it, right, Tech? And Tech's like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. We all have, like, kill chips in our head that can take over our bodies and control us at any time. 
That is 100% my priority right now. You can fix the ship because the ship is functioning. We have life support. Everything's working. The ship is fine. And as soon as he's like, the ship is fine, the ship gets thrown out of hyperspace. And they're all like, whoa. And they're all like, we're falling out of the sky. And they're like, whoa. And so they're all like, everyone strap in. Buck your seatbelts. And they like put like Omega in like her perfect like little kidsy and like buckle her in to make sure she's all safe. And Wrecker's like freaking out. He's just like, we're going to die. And she looks at him. He's like, yeah, we're going to be fine. But we're going to die. But we'll be fine. And during all this madness as they're crashing. For the first time in several episodes, Wrecker gets hit on his head in the exact same spot that his chip is. Like it has a big fucking plot target on the side of his head and he will get hit there, punched there, smacked there like seven times in the next like five episodes. For plot. So just know he has a big old plot target on his head. I'll just say this. I think Wrecker, I think getting blows to the head might be just part of the daily routine for Wrecker. It is, but he keeps getting hit in the exact spot where his chip is. And then he starts complaining about headaches, which we all know from Tup in the Clone Wars episode that he got headaches right before he went all Order 66. Yeah, oh no, it's Master Tipley. It's it's like it's like foreshadowing with a with a sledgehammer for sure. Absolutely. So, so eventually they crash on the moon and they're all like, Brr! so they're just sitting there as after they crashed and they're trying to figure out what to do because the ship's really fucked up and they gotta go get the like electronic doohickey MacGuffin out of the side of the ship and they gotta find it. Well, as they're looking for the doohickey MacGuffin, Omega pulls out crosshair stuff. And then they all, all, and she's like, what about this stuff? And all the Bad Batch break into a song and they go, we don't talk about crosshair, no, no, no. We don't talk about crosshair. But it was yesterday and he shot Wrecker right in the shoulder and we ran away. <laughs> Sorry. Wow, I made up that up while I'm stuck. Anyway, but they actually do. No, joke aside, they, they talk a little I bit I thought about... it was some Disney movie or Pixar. It is, it's Encanto. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. We okay, don't I talk was... about broom, no, 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 no. We don't talk about broom, no. And right now I hear all of our podcast listeners who finally get that fucking song out of their head screaming, God damn it, Hope. Why would you put that fucking song back in our head? Because Br- We Don't Talk About Bruno is a great song, everybody. Get over it. It's going to live rent-free in your head forever. I love that song. Anyway, uh, so they actually do talk about Crosshair because Wrecker's like, I miss him. I'm just going to say it. I miss him right now. And Tech's like, well, you know, what if we got his chip out? And Omega's like, and Hunter's like, what do you mean? And Omega's like, your chip, the chip is controlling his personality. He literally cannot help it right now. Foreshadowing, he can. But he's, and so they're like, oh, wow, so we can actually, like, have crosshair redemption? And she's like, yeah, but we need to work on the ship because we're all going to die. Anyway, back on Kamino, Crosshair is getting his chip fucked with because, you know, Farkin's evil. And Farkin's all like, yes, turn up the heat on his chip. Yes. And he's all mad because he's like, are you sure this is going to work, Nalase? Nalase is like, yes, our clones are amazing. Why are you a piece of shit? 
and Admiral Rampart comes in. And he's just like, hi guys, I'm the villain of the show. And Tarkin's like, no one cares, Rampart. And, and Rampart's like, I care, because I'm pleasant. And it turns out the Empire is now recruiting normal people. And the Kaminoans are just like, well, fuck. Why are you doing that? They're not good. We have an entire fucking army of clones here. And, and they're like, well, why don't we make Crosshair the commander of these regular people? And Nalase is again like, well, fuck. Why? And so they decide, as Rampart and Nalase are debating in front of Crosshair, who's just like, guys, I just want to fight things and do war crimes. And they go and they decided that they're going to take Crosshair to meet his new recruits. What did you think of Act 1? Pretty good, pretty good. There's some little details in it that I really like. Like, uh, I like that... Uh, dust? I noticed well, dust for the first time ever in Star Wars animation. Yeah. and dust. and Well, I there there's a scene where Omega's just reading something, you know, like a kid does. Just like, just like, like I used to. Like, in a corner on a hard floor crunched up into the most horrible position and just, and she's going to sit there reading for hours and they're like, that her, doesn't, look, that doesn't her look, animation is so good and they go, to that capture doesn't look that. Like, yeah. Like her animation is so good to capture that little kid essence. Just yeah, like the little, little thing. So little, they can just, I, I could, you know, you could just cram me into like a little box, and as mm -hmm. long as I could hold a book in front of me, I would just sit there reading it and not be, you know, parts of me wouldn't fall asleep and stuff like they do now. So I thought yeah. that was just a nice, a, a nice little detail is like a, just a subtle kid thing, and I'm glad that the chip stuff is confusing to the the clones too because it's confusing to me, and it's good to have them discussing it and knowing that it's consciously. <laughs> being confusing as to what's going on with it. And um, chain code guy is boring as hell. He really is. Rampart, so I, I always forget that Rampart exists in the show until he shows up. And I'm always just like, oh, yeah, you. Because, yeah. like, cause like other, when I think of other Imperials, I think of, like, you know, let's take someone from Rebels. Like, Lieutenant List. He is a low-rank Imperial who's only in a handful of episodes, but when he's in the episode, he's a little piece of shit. And he's a whiny piece of shit who's also an idiot. He's such an idiot to the point where Callus is like, yeah, I'm going to use you and throw you under the bus because he has a story function. And, like, that that makes List interesting because he's an, an idiotic, dumb, like, baby Nazi. and and Or, like, someone like Ruckland, like, Rucklin is a piece of shit too, but we understand why Rucklin functions. I always forget that Rampart exists, which is one of those things that I really hope in season two he gets a really big role because every time he shows up, I'm just like, oh yeah, you're here. Well, you know, it might just be a a a, a, a part of Tarkin ain't gonna put anybody around him who's not boring and just. A uh, uh, dullard, so he's always the the standout, you know. <laughs> I love that Darkin's like no one can be more fabulous. Nobody than can I have am. a personality around here because, and that's why when Krennic, well, personalities like, like how Krennic... you go go places a lot of times in those kinds of setups. Krennic walks in with his cape, and Tarkin's like, "Oh fuck, no! You're dying on Jedi." <laughs> because <laughs> you have a cape and you outshined me. Yeah, yeah, that will not do. Oh my god. 
Um, and the only other note is I, I was it just made me start thinking about like using normal stormtroopers and clones. And there, there's only like at first I thought uh, I it just can't work because the power dynamic is is too off between them. And if you have like half an army of clones and half an army of just like, you know, regular conscription stormtroopers, you're going to have like it, it, the, the, the clones will just be too more powerful and they'll be like. It, 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 trouble between for... the two, the comparisons between the two and, and stuff. The only but way only I think it could... only for a few years, though, because clones double age. So there's there's only a short window they're in their prime. Right, but then, you know, theoretically, you would just be pumping out more clones to produce them. So you would have fresh clones coming in to replace the aging out clones. But they're but also think... more expensive, yeah, which is the whole point. I don't point. think that would work. And I think the only dynamic that would work is if they just did a lesser version of what it was during the Clone Wars, which is mostly conscriptions, and they would be like the clones, and then then a few clones, and they would be like the Jedi. They would be the 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 generals, well, that's, and that's essentially what this episode is. That's like, what, um, that's, what, that's what that's what Targans try, and and they did a good job of of sussing it out because that's where my brain was going just in this first part. It was like you could only have like. You know, you'd have to have the clones as the leaders or whatever and and stuff to work uh, to lead normal people as as uh, you couldn't have like two. you would have two art two split armies and it wouldn't be a good, you know, as a strong army. So they, they like you could see Tarkin thinking like, OK, so we'll just get like. Yeah, I, I, I have a, I, I have a name for them in the third act for the kind of clones that he needs. I now I could be wrong because we all know that Legends is not my strong suit. Um, but I think that's how it worked in Legends was after the Clone Wars, the clones went to specifically be training new clones, like new troops. And right. that became their job. And I I think that's how it worked was they just became teachers essentially and yeah. trained up everybody. Um I think so. I feel like I read those comics. Um, I might be confusing them with Star Wars Rebels because we also know that Cody had trained Stormtroopers. Right, right, right. From, um, what's it called? Star Wars Rebels. We know that from Rex. So, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. But that's all I got for Act (laughs) 1. On the clones note, because I have one Tarkin clones note. It really shows how much Tarkin hates the clone when Rampart is is like, what if the clones train the soldiers? And Tarkin is still like, I don't know. <laughs> he really fucking hates clones. It just made me laugh. Um, oh, that was a painful, tiny non-burp. Oh, God, it's so watery. Uh, sorry, everybody. Um... I don't have a lot of big notes for this. All my big notes are in Act 2 and 3. So um, I love Baby Omega rolled up in her little busted ship having the time of her life because she's just happy to be with them. And Hunter is just like, I must feed a child. Like, Omega's perfectly like content to exist. And you see, like, Hunter sweating in the background, like, how do I parent? Yeah, <laughs> I love that dynamic. Big, scary man, like, being freaked out over a child. Um, it's one of my favorite dynamics. Um... Uh 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 uh. What did I? 
Oh, okay. So I, I do want to talk about Wrecker getting his head smacked. Because I remember the first time I watched this episode and I saw him hit his head in that exact place. I felt my heart drop. Like, oh no. Because, and then they continue this story over the course of the next several episodes that he keeps getting hit in that one place and he starts complaining of headaches. Anybody who has watched Clone Wars and saw the, the arc where Tup had his had his um, chip go off early and then kill Master, I think it's Master Tip Lee, we know what that means. Yeah. And the scary thing about that one is Wrecker is the worst choice for that because you're essentially waiting for the Hulk to right. wake up and go smash stuff. And that's scary. And I really like this tension because sometimes it's play out. I, I think in the, um, if I remember correctly, the in, there's one episode where it's kind of played off for comedy. So you're like, oh, Wrecker's fine. And then you get one in the um, Trace and Rafa episode, you see him start kind of flickering a bit. So it's just like watching a time bomb slowly click down over the course of several episodes. And you know you know that the Hulk is going to wake up at some point in the season. You just don't know when. And it's really well done. Because it's just scary. And you know what that's going to be. It's just this like boogeyman hanging out in the background for like five episodes. Yeah, that's a thing in Star Wars. Characters that are just like ticking time bombs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... I think it's a really cute scene when Wrecker's just like, we're going to die. We're going to die. And then he sees Omega watching him. And I like that for two reasons. Because one, it's just like a nice little callback that he has a fear of heights. Um, but the other one, it's like also showing the growth of all of them, like realizing that Omega is always watching them. She's always taking a cue for them. So it's helping them grow up as well. Because kind of like what I was saying, like, like she's a little bit of a mimic. So she's always watching them. Yeah, they because kind of have responsibility for the first time. <laughs> they do. They do. I, I will never forget the first time I swore in front of my like niece like when they're ba- when they were toddlers, but they were in that age where they were just regurgitated what they heard. And it was just like I was just like, oh shit. And my niece went, shit. And I was like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> it's like it was when my my first niece, because I have 14 of them now, so now it's old tr- old old school. But my very first niece, I remember like the dread in my heart of like, oh God. She learns things. Oh no, I have to like they not. Learn. I have to be like mature and shit in front of this child. <laughs> clever yeah. girl, clever girl. You know, like sixteen years later, it's I. It's old. You know, I'm used to it now. But that very first time where it dawned on me that I had responsibilities with a child, I was just like, oh god, oh no. Um, I so I think it's interesting rewatching this early part of the show knowing the season one finale when crosshair reveals that he had his chip removed and he's serving the empire willingly so these early scenes were like they're all talking about like oh well it's not crosshair's fault we can save him we can still go back for crosshair that changes these early scenes because it's like it, it makes the Bad Batch more, like, loving because they want to save their brother. But it also makes Crosshair's story more interesting because I, I think he still has this chip at this point because, well, because they're, they're still tampering with it. You so, get and the, it, the, the, real, the real, you know, edge to free will, you know? Mm-hmm. 
they got their free they got their free will and they just assumed that they'd all like do the same thing but like not crossword hairs he's uh he's got different different ideas you know yeah and and like i said because they're still experimenting with it and now say is like reading off statistics i think he still has his chip at this point but there is some point in the season where he doesn't have it anymore and he's making his own choices and i think that's just really interesting because there is a conversation about free will but also of like how much did that affect him which is why i think it'll be really interesting to watch him in season two because the season one finale he started having those breakthroughs but he's still choosing to serve the empire and it'd be interesting i hope they just don't redeem him to kill him i hope they don't go that path please don't no more kill redemptions it's hard to say (laughs) <laughs> you're about to say something no no it's uh it's it's hard to say but yeah mm-hmm. it could happen but that's all i have for act one did you have anything else no not really my hot ta- my hot take is they're 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 going to just not go for a redemption arc for crosshairs i think they might just go ahead and do it and be like yeah no he's I, he's a prick you know, you know what i could see for crosshair I could see him end up being kind of like an Asajj Ventress character yeah. where he doesn't redeem, but he doesn't rejoin the Bad Batch. Yeah. So maybe and... he works instead of like working for the Empire, he becomes like a mercenary for yeah. hire. So he might occasionally work for the Empire, but yeah. he doesn't stay with them. Yeah, he'd be a good Cad Bane type. Mm-hmm. Or a good like when Ventress was like a bounty hunter type. So, yeah, but that's all I had for Act One. All right, I'm ready for Act 2. Act 2. So, the Bad Batch crashes their ship, and they're stuck on this moon. And they can't breathe the air of the moon. I forgot to, like, mention that until, like, later in my notes. But they can't breathe the air, so they all have to wear these, like, little breath masks. And breath... Did I say breath masks? Breath masks. And so, Tech and Echo are outside, and they are working on the ship. And they're like, look, here's the very important energy MacGuffin. Hope nothing happens to it. And as they're working, Echo sees something lurking in the dark, and he hears a thing, and he goes, like, looking for it for, like, a whole, like, 90 seconds. And 90 seconds, he finally finds scratch marks on the side of the ship, and he's all like, oh, well, that's, that sucks. Hey, Tech, walk away from the very important plot, MacGuffin, and come look at these scratch marks. And Tech goes, okay, and he walks away. And then something jumps out of the darkness and takes the very important energy MacGuffin doohickey and runs off. And by the way, I, I know I'm sounding like, ugh, blah, 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 blah. I'm fine with this. It's plot. This is how plot happens. And it's fine. So I'm actually like, this isn't criticism. Eve. I'm just tired tonight. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just tired. It's whatever. So they all go back on the ship and they're like, Hunter, our, our energy MacGuffin is gone. And they're like, oh, no. That's bad, right? And they're like, yes, we only had one. And right about this time, something falls across the ship, clawing and scraping and walking across the ship. And they're all like, what is that? And a lizard that lights up goes down the windshield. And they're all like, hey, look, a lizard. And the lizard has the energy MacGuffin in its mouth. And they're like, oh, that's bad. And Tech is like, that's a moon dragon. And it eats raw energy for plot. And they're like, oh, no, that's bad. 
and the moon dragon runs off into the night. And Hunter's like, it's my time to shine. I'm going to go do what my name says and go hunt the moon dragon. But you, Wrecker, you're having headaches. And that's bad in five episodes. So you're going to stay here and nurse that head injury. And Tech and Echo work on the ship. And Omega's like, I want to come with you, Hunter. And Hunter's like, no. And she's like, but I'm part of the team now. That was the entire point of the last episode. And Hunter's like, you're right. And he looks at Tech. And Tech's like, why the fuck are you looking at me? I've treated her as an equal for three episodes so far. You're the one with the problem, buddy. And Hunter's like, all right, let's go. So they jump out into... And by the way, I'm separating because there's like overlapping parts. I'm going to do the Bad Batch plot and then I'm going to do the Crosshair plot, plot, plot. I'm not going to go back and forth. So, yeah. Um, so they go out into the night and Omega wants to learn how to track stuff from Hunter. And Hunter's like, you can't learn to track. It's my enhanced skill. Me and Wrecker and Tech all got enhanced skill. And Omega's like, well, also, Crosshair. You didn't talk about Crosshair. And Hunter is just like, I'm not going to talk about crosshair because I got feelings. She's like, why? Just talk about him. He, you know, he's like your brother and, and stuff. Are you okay? And finally, Hunter's like, I'm just upset with myself because we don't leave our own behind. And I didn't grow back to crosshair. And he left us. And I'm sad. <laughs> I'm so sad crosshair's not here anymore. And Omega's like, okay, well, I opened up a can of worms. Hey, look, the energy MacGuffin. And they look over, and there's the energy MacGuffin. And Hunter's like, I'll move in. And he creeps forward. But oh, no, the dragon pops out of nowhere and bitch slaps Hunter with the back of its hand. And Hunter's like, ow. And his mask flies off. And Hunter's like, oh, I can't breathe because the air is bad. <laughs> and he passes out. And Omega's like, oh, God. And the, and the dragon's like, this is my guffin', bitch. And he runs off into his little hole cave. And Omega runs over, and she, like, smacks the air mask back on Hunter. And she's like, Hunter, wake up. And he's just like, I'm dead. But not really. I'm just passed out. So she calls for help, but no one's there to help her. So Omega takes Hunter's blaster and takes it upon herself to go after the dragon. Now, on the other side of this, Crosshair is meeting his new crew. And, uh, well, no. Wait, where am I in the show? No, sorry, I'm wrong. Crosshair's new crew, not with Crosshair there, are getting checked out by, like, all the droids. And there is Snooty McSnoop Boy and Cool Flame Girl and then the other two who don't say anything, so they don't have names. And Snooty McSnoop Boy is all like, I'm so happy to be here. I have a job. They feed me. I got a roof over my head. The Republic never did anything for me. And Cool Flame Girl is like, I'm just really confused why we're here. The Clone Wars are over. Who are we fighting? And Cool Fl and Snooty Boy is like, I don't fucking care because money. And she's like, yeah, I kind of care a little bit, but okay, we'll see how that works for you in the long run. And then during all of this, Farkin, Lamasu, and Rampart, who I guess is their tail, are looking over all the new guys. And Lamasu is like, Tarkin, sir, with respect. These guys are going to suck. My clones have been doing this their, literally their entire lives. They're, they have so much more skill. And Rampart's like, well, my guys are really good at sucking up. Like me. 
by the way, Tarkin, you look great today. Your hair is great. And loyalty is so much more important than skill, because they'll fight for the Empire. And Farkin's like, look, you're both pretty, but I'm the prettiest. And why don't we touch them and we'll decide which works best. Um, let's take them to over to Sagrera's camp because that didn't happen in episode one. And I'm Tarkin. I'm, I might not be a Grand Moff yet, but I'm still a crazy son of a bitch. And I want war crimes, damn it. So send them over to Sagrera and let them wipe them out. Lamasu was real mad about all this. Anyway, so the snooty boy, this is where I was like, I wasn't sure where to cut the episode, so here we go. Um, so all of the, the normal soldiers get on the ship with Crosshair, and snooty boy is like, Pfft. and then he looks over and he's just like, Pfft. and then snooty boy's just like, Pfft. and Crosshair's like, do you want to say something to me? Like, why are you huffing at me? And snooty boy's like, what do you think, clone? I'm gonna be the commander soon. I don't even know why you're here. <sighs> Crosshair's like, do you need a tissue? Just let's just do the mission, guys. Oh my god. And and Snooty Boy's like, <laughs> so they get back to Onderon, right? And the the rebel camp is packing up, and Saw Guerrera isn't even there. He's gone. Oh, I just smacked a lamp. Hold on. Oh god. Oh no. I just. Oh god. Sorry, I smacked a lamp. Saw, this is Saw Guerrero's fault. Saw Guerrero is not even there at the okay, stay. Saw Guerrero is not even there. And the last handful of his troop, which is like four people and a bunch of civilians, are all that's there. So they're all packing up. They're getting ready to pull out. It's going to be a great day. They're going to start their new lives. Oh no, pew, 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 break out as Crosshair and his men move in. And that's where I'm going to end it, because there was like six minutes left in the episode, and I didn't know where to end it. Oh, yeah, so the pew-pews just started. That's where we are breaking. What'd you think of Act 2, Chris? <laughs> it was pretty good. I, I I wonder why they didn't hear the claws on their ship. You would hear that all through the ship, like... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Claws that, that go into metal. Oh, yeah. I am Claw. glad... <laughs> I am glad that it wasn't Minox because they were sort of doing the the asteroid scene from Empire Strikes Back, you know, with the with the face masks and everything and the. Yeah, actually, I cut that out of my extra information notes. That was a nod to those masks. Oh, so. for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I cut that out of my notes. <laughs> and you know, Minox are energy eating things, so you should know when you're on a barren like asteroid or moon where there's no food growing. That probably the life form, if there's life forms on there, they're gonna be, they're gonna have to be like energy eaters of some sort, you know. So, but um, I noticed um, um, Kiner's music is getting more like confident and dynamic in his own sort of music now. You know, he's more, he's settled into it. You know. Oh yeah, I, I mean, and, I would hope so after three shows. Right. <laughs> After seven seasons of Clone Wars and four seasons of Rebels, I would hope he he's would be. more like he. I, I think he probably feels more established as being able to instead of just sort of aping John Williams or having to cleave to John Williams stuff to like, you know, he's got his own vocabulary and do it in his own sort of thing going. And yeah, I just noticed that. I, I, like in any normal military situation crosshair would have tossed snooty boy right into the brig 
right there. As soon as he said that stuff, he's like, look, yeah, you're going in the brig with you. You know, you that's yep. you, you. That's not how you talk to a superior officer. Yep. Nope. No, 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 no. I don't care if you don't like clones. Yeah. It, it actually makes me wonder because um, I was I was kind of sitting on this for a couple episodes because there's one episode where they go to. It's, I don't remember. It's either throw them in the brig or go like, listen, we're taking our badges off. You want to fight? You know? <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. That's the, the two things you do there. In in a few episodes, they're going to go to a separatist planet. And which was, you know, it's, which is really significant because that was the enemy of the clones. And the whole point of this episode is like the clones are not helping their enemy. And yeah. it kind of makes me wonder if Snooty Boy is from a separatist planet, which is something I, I think they would have been interested if he brought it up. Like, I don't want to listen to a clone because the clones invaded my planet. Yeah. I think that would have been a really interesting plot point. Yeah. Even well, if we'll he, even if it was just like a one-off <laughs> line, like that would have been such a, like a deep line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see, what else do I have? Because the separatists have every right to not like the clones because they essentially was just like, we want freedom. And the clones showed up. And they're like, come back to the Republic. And they were like, no, let's fight. You're invading us. Ah, like. That's that's the kind of stuff I like, and it's kind of like in my notes, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, that's all I got because um, my other note from this is actually going to be in the next part. So, yeah, like it's, I had about when about the time I hit this part, I was like, "There's only six minutes yeah. left. I need to stop this." Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, then I will go ahead and touch on my note then that I was talking about. Um, something I do, because like I said at the top of this, the crosshair plot is the meat of this episode, and it's so interesting. Because um, now, I, now that I think about it, I really wish that Snooty Boy was from a separatist planet. That would have been really interesting. Um, but I like seeing the different layers of watching these new soldiers come into the Empire, but also kind of like the weirdness of it. Because for like, what, two, three years, clones have been the army? If you weren't on the clone side, you were on the droid side. And now they're all supposed to, like, be working together. And there's just, like, little things. Like, when Flamethrower Girl is just like, the war's over. Who are we fighting? Like, that's a valid question. <laughs> um, but it's also showing that, like, these were probably soldiers on their individual planet. And now they're serving under an entity. Which is a little bit of a gambit. Because, like, even under the Republic... Probably every planet had their own military. You know, they didn't have an army of the Republic. That's why the clones were so They're important. closer to mercenaries. Yeah, and that's why the clones were such a big deal, because the clones was the army of the Republic. So soldiers like them didn't have to fight in the Clone Wars if they didn't want to, unless they were defending their own planet. Well, now the Empire is here. And yeah, it is now one entity. And they're so, talking about how they're paying them. Look, you're getting paid, you know? And yeah. and it makes me wonder what, like, Crosshair sitting there going, like, we never got paid. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they got, like, you know, like, a little bit of money, but... Maybe, you know. I don't know. Well, how do they, how do they pay the bar? Because there's a whole clone bar. How do they pay them? <laughs> that's true. That's they have true. to at least pay Maybe they have clone script or something like that that's only good in clone bars and Probably stuff like but, stipends or something yeah like because what the why is the empire gonna pay the clones enough you know any kind of money that would let them yeah. like buy their own ship or something you know or get the hell out of there you know buy a house somewhere so yeah but like also the way that snooty boy was talking it actually reminded me a lot of the stuff that we were talking about in both rebels and resistance um 
the downside of that in like rebels we saw like the sumar's farm get destroyed which forced them to work in imperial factories that's just one example but then we have someone like tam's grandfather and tam told yeager well my grandfather worked in an imperial factory to put food on the table because he there was no jobs in the republic you know he did that did that make him a bad person um, and, and so I love when we get to see these gray areas because snooty, snooty boy is a jerk, but when he says the Republic never did anything to me, that's very much kind of how the sequel trilogy was. And we see that in the Mandalorian, like the, the outer rims of fucking wild space, essentially. Yeah. Like there's no law out there. The Republic is not doing things for them. And it's, and it's, we, we st- still see that in Clone Wars. Where the core and mid-realm planets are the favorite, and once you get out into the outer ring, it's more like wild out there, and the Republic doesn't have the strength. So something like this in the, the Empire that's giving him food, job, and house, that's very seductive to someone like Snooty Boy. And I and I think that's just like really interesting to show how they were able to get these people to work for them. Yeah, well, they're almost like mercenaries. They're, yeah. they're on, on the border of mercenaries. Sort of like, like, yeah, like I'm trying to remember the name. Was it like Black Hawk or Blackwater? You know, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's like one of the uh, military contractors in Iraq. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Afghanistan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, military, but they're more, you know, they're for hire, but they're working like military, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my my only tiny note in this episode, or in this act, I should say, is I just like the design of the dragon. It's cute. The little moon dragon. Yeah. He's cute. I like when he bites into stuff and his body lights up and, like, throws light. I, that's just a really cool design. It's very rounded. Rounded. Yeah. I like how they keep him scary in the shadows, but in Act 3, when we actually get to see him, he's almost... Like on the edge of being like a Disney creature, cute. like a new, yeah, like he kind of looks like like he could just roll up with like Elsa and be fine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's right on that edge. Or like How to Train Your Dragon, dragon or something. Oh, <gasps> very toothless. That's a that's 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 a better thing. Yeah, he's very toothless. Um, um, I need to rewatch How to Train Your Dragon. I've I never watched seen it. About- it. It's so good. I watch it about like once every like three to four years. I really love that movie. It's a great trilogy, actually. The trilogy is fucking solid. So just saying. Anyway, um, one thing I do like about the first half of Bad Batch as a show is they really quickly address a lot of the emotional stuff fast. Now, I do think that's also a bit of a fault because that since they address a lot of the emotional stuff in the front half, I sometimes feel like the back half flounders a little bit because it feels more adventure of the week. What I mean by emotional stuff is like the first episode, of course, is the inciting incident. Last week, they got everybody up to speed, like letting Omega join the team. And like now they're her, like they're essentially her guardians and they're going to take care of her. And this week, they're sort of addressing the crosshair in the room and they're not burying it. Like, they know that this is a big, gaping, open open wound. And while they're not having deep conversations about Crosshair, it's not something that's going to show up in, like, episode eight, where they're just not going to talk about it for eight episodes. They're already addressing it a little bit because it's an important issue. So they are hitting a lot of these emotional beats early. But 
this is where I think I struggle with Bad Batch a little bit because it sort of takes, I, I had to kind of figure out what Bad Batch's function is. And once I kind of got a hold of what Bad Batch and Bad Batch's function is, I felt a lot better about the show. Because I talked about this a lot in Rebel or uh, Resistance, that Resistance does not function like Clone Wars, and it does not function like Rebels. It functions like a living novel about the world changing in a pocket of a galaxy. And that's essentially what Bad Batch is. There's no huge huge plots this isn't bad batch isn't changing the face of the canon it is a show about world building showing the galaxy changing around this group this one group of people and at least same for thing, now at least for now and same thing with mandalorian at least for now even with two seasons of the mandalorian and boba fett the galaxy hasn't changed you know rebels and clone wars did that they were they functioned to change the galaxy and the canon. These two shows haven't done these last three shows haven't done that. So it's really interesting because on one hand it's maddening because I love plot, I love characters, I want to see character work, but that's just not how these shows function. And I think that's why I struggle so much in the second yeah. half. It's it's a function of them having more space. You can do that now. And mm-hmm. you can't you can't change the galaxy in every show now if you're gonna have a bunch of shows. So Yep, 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 that's have, very true. You have more space to just sort of live in it, you know, and work on like characters or And but, that's you where know. I feel like I feel like Bad Batch fails in the face of something like Mandalorian or Resistance. Because while they can't change the galaxy or change like the world and the plot in those two shows, Resistance and Mandalorian has a ton of character work. And they're essentially like character shows, character driven shows, and that's how they drive. My issue is outside of really like Hunter, there's not a lot of character development across the board. So I'm really hoping we get that in season two because. Everybody else is kind of like attachments for Hunter and Omega, which is fine for one season. But I hope when we get into season two, we start getting other character developments. So. I imagine we will. I imagine we will. Yeah. So that's how they that's how they do it. But that's all I have for Act 2. Did you have anything else? No. Do you want to finish this moon dragon off? Oh, I make him glow and bleh. prep him up, but we'll 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 calm him down first. Give him a couple like Duracell batteries, and then prep him up. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely like give him and like oh, give him a little Christmas tree to hang out in. He just like eats in the Christmas tree, and he's like, eat "This is whole, where I live." Eat the lights and yeah. Oh, that'd be cool though. Like you know, you just feed him the lights, and he lights up the Christmas well, just... tree for you. I mean, if you want to just get, if you want to just like be really cool, you could just dangle. You could just take an electrical cord, hang the two wires off, and dangle them, and he could feed off it like guinea pigs do off their water bottles. <laughs> oh, I just imagine him just like going up and like licking it, <laughs> and yep. every little lick is just like a like a yeah yeah. Oh, it'd be so cute! I love this dragon. But yes, yeah, so let's wrap up this episode. You ready? I'm ready. Act three. So, Hunter's out cold. Omega has his gun. And she... I was about to say drive. She doesn't drive. 
crawls down the hole. And Cruises just, down the hole. You should all know, I literally have the word crawls written in my notes. So it's not like I miss, just had just a, yeah, like she, I just hope can't read and she's tired. Omega crawls down the hole of the dragon tunnel and she crawls around and it's dark and it's kind of spooky, but you know, she was watching Hunter learn how to track and she starts finding like little machine pieces and she starts following it and she finds the dragon's horde and she's like, okay, I'm here. And then she sees the MacGuffin. She's like, hey, the MacGuffin. And she crawls over and then she picks up the MacGuffin and she hears a sound behind her and she turns and the dragon's like, hi, why are you in my home? And taking my stuff. I'm hungry. Please don't take my stuff. During all this, Hunter wakes up and he's just like, Where's my child? Oh, God. Was she eaten? I'm a bad at parenting. And he crawls over and he finds that, like, Omega is, like, down the hole. And he's like, Omega, I can't fit in here. My ass is too fabulous. Are you okay? And she's, like, watching the creature. And she has empathy. It's like, at first she's freaking out. She has, like, Hunter's blaster, like, pointed at it. But when she gets the creature, like, in the face with the light, the creature's like, Oh, my eyes! Please don't do that! She sees that. She lowers her... She lowers her uh, flashlight. And this creature's like, Hey! She's like, Hi! He's like, Please don't eat... Don't shoot me. I'm just hungry. Can I eat your flashlight? And she's like, Yeah! So she throws the flashlight... Because the creature just wants to have dinner, and she essentially came in and was, like, taking his, like, like electronic spaghetti. So now she, like, threw him in, like, electronic, like, pasta. It's fine. And so, like, while the creature, the moon dragon, is eating up the flashlight, she takes the MacGuffin, and she crawls on out of there. And she pops her head up. She's just like, hey, Hunter, what's up? And he's like, oh, my God, you're alive. You're alive. Oh, my God. He takes her out of the hole, and he's like, are you okay? Did you die? And she's like, no, Hunter, I didn't die. I'm right here in front of you. Look, I found the MacGuffin. And he's like, how did you do that? Also, why do you have my gun? And she's like, oh, I just, you know, I didn't use it. I just, you know, looked at the creature and realized it just wanted spaghetti. And he's like, I don't know what that means. Let's go home. And so Hunter's a little impressed. Later on, they got the Marauder all fixed up. And they're flying out of there, and they get back in the hyperspace, and the Bad Batch are like, yeah, we're doing great. And Wrecker, who's feeling better now, by the way, he doesn't have horrible headaches, comes over and he's like, hey, Omega. And she's like, what? And he's like, I got a surprise for you. And she's like, okay. And he, she gets up, and he's like, close your eyes. And he takes her to the back, and all the other guys come over because they're like, what's the surprise? And he pulls back the curtain. And he's turned the gunner area into her bedroom. And she's all like, oh my god! And then I got emotional, guys. I love this scene. And she crawls up there and it has like little cloths on the wall. I don't know where he got like that kitty padding fabric for her room, but I love it. And there's cartons. 
and there's Christmas lights, and it's great, and Lula's up there, and she picks up Lula, and he's like, I hope the gunner's an okay room for you, because we love you, and you're one of us now, and she's like, I never had my own room before, I had a room with Nala say, and she snored, but, you know, it wasn't normal snoring, like how you guys snores, Camino and snore weird, I'm so happy, and they're all happy, because Omega got her room, and it's great, and Hope cried. The end. At least there, because on the other side of this, war crimes! So the Pew Pews Pews have broken out with Crosshair's men and Saw Gerrera's people. And long story short, they kill all of Saw Gerrera's men, and all that's left is the civilians. And so they gather up all, like, the four civilians, and Crosshair's like, hey, where's Saw Gerrera? And they're like, we literally don't know what you're talking about. We just wanted to ride off planet. And Crosshair's like, yeah, I believe you. And he turns, he's like, Snooty Boy, kill them. And Snooty Boy is like, uh, no. Like, I'm happy I have a job, but I did not sign up for war crimes. These are civilians. Imperial civilians now. We're supposed to take care of these. And Crosshair's like, why won't anyone do war crimes with me? So Snooty Boy's like, listen guys, we're not killing these civilians. We're just going to arrest them and take them back with us. If they don't know what we're doing, we can get them rehomed. It's going to be great. And Crosshair just fucking murders the guy right there and then. He's like, I just, I don't have time for this. And he kills them right there and then. And he looks at the other three elite soldiers and he's like, flamethrower girl, you got a problem with this? And she's like, no, sir, I don't want to die. He's like, do you... Do you other two who haven't spoken this entire episode want to die? And they're like, no, sir, we don't want to die. And he's like, good, kill the civilians. And it's horrible. <laughs> you hear the blasters and the flamethrower sound and the screaming of people. It's horrible. Anyway, they head back to Camino. And Farkin and Rampart are all like, oh, look how impressed they, impressive they are. And they're like, what happened to Snooty Boy? And, Hunter, and Crosshair's like, he didn't cut it. He just wasn't good enough, and he died. And they're like, okay, cool. And Tarkin's like, you know what, Rampart? I think you might be on to something about this whole, like, clones tra training the new people thing. Let's see how this goes, because you need something interesting. You're kind of boring. And Rampart's like, thank you, sir. Also, your shoes are really shiny today. And Tarkin's like, oh, I'm glad you noticed my bunny slippers. That's a deep cut joke right there. And Tarkin leaves and gives Rampart the control of the clones so he can train them up. Meanwhile, the Camdones are like, what the fuck is happening? We're about to lose our J-O-Bs. Like... These guys are coming in here, wanting to like take away all of our clones, and Lama Sue's like, dude, Nala say, you gotta have something cooking. And she's like, I'm trying, but we don't have any more Django juice. And if we don't have Django juice, we need the next best thing. Cough, cough. They're talking about Boba and Omega, but Boba Fett's not in the show yet, so it's gonna be Omega that they're talking about. Cough, cough. And they... And so they're all like, gotta find Omega. Meanwhile, back with Crosshair. Crosshair goes back to his bedroom with his other new recruits to the old bad batch room. But it's all sad because, like, all his shit's gone except for, like, the little marks from their missions. And, like, the little, like, paint on the wall that's left. But the rest of it's been scrubbed clean. And he sits down 
with that look that, like, maybe he might pull an aging callus. You know, he sits in the aging callus stance and kind of looks like he's thinking about his life. But the way season one ends, kind of iffy at this point. We'll just have to wait and see in season two. The end. I have a new word. What? Cloniopath. Cloniopath. We need to give Rampart a name, like Boring McPants or something. Like it's, I, I'm gonna call him Admiral Blockchain from now on, <laughs> because okay. he's like annoying and boring, like the people who are all into the blockchain now. So, be my social commentary too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Tarkin should love the clones. This guy, like, the clone passed his test, the, his sociopath test. I'm what I'm, you know, I'm surprised they weren't filming it with a with a probe droid like the last one or that he didn't say you know he didn't get off and he goes yeah he didn't want to complete the mission so i had to you know give him that maybe they'll have a briefing afterwards but like you know tarkin tarkin like they could have given that you know um crosshairs could have briefed tarkin on what happened during the mission and tarkin would have been very very pleased <laughs> probably with you know, he is sort of rethinking the clones a little bit, but I think he would have been more really into them. You know, I think uh, mm-hmm. Crosshairs really I, rose to the occasion. Yeah, I guess the only thing that I think that has to be, hello, doggo, um, that has to be the issue is Tarkin at this point already knows about the Death Star. He has to know, have to know. Right, about it. right. And if the clones are taking up that much money and taking that much money away from the Death Star, which, as we know from Rogue One, he wants that to be his toy. Yeah. Um, I That's the only thing I can think of because, like, it doesn't make sense. There are better soldiers. Yeah, they're more expensive, but, like, you pay, instead of paying 10 regular soldiers, you're paying one clone. And even as you said, do they get paid? Probably a little bit. You don't have to pay them as much, probably. And so, like... I think the thing that scares him the most is the individuality aspect, which I think he's unsure about the chip because he saw the Bad Batch. He was like, well, didn't their chips go off? And he's seen what individuals can do under the Jedi. And I think that's what scares him, um, is that they will lose loyalty and then they won't. But I, I honestly, I think everything comes down to the Death Star. I think yeah, he's like... He- yeah, I he's like, why ties. do I need an army when I have my big battleship that I can just ride around w- with and and now, scare the hell out of everybody with. Here's the follow-up of why he's probably having to be tactful. Because there's still a fucking army of clones of tens of thousands of yep. clones who are really well-trained. So if they just were like, you're fired, 10,000 people, you know, then you have an army of really pissed-off people. Against well, they've the already Empire. paid for those clones, too, so they don't want to waste them, either. Yeah, and so, like, I I, I definitely can like how they're doing, like, Tarkin's delicate balance. It is a little bit maddening, but there's also, like, two forms. He wants his Death Star, but he also doesn't want, like, tens of thousands of angry men suddenly rebelling against the Empire because they all get fired, you know? Um, so I do like that he they're kind of showing his machinations of in his chess here. He can't just drop the Kaminoans. Because, you know, I bet Tarkin is wondering in the back of his mind, Okay, if the Kaminoans can turn off the clones' personalities, can they also turn the clones against us? He probably doesn't know that. He probably that's probably like musing in the back of his mind. Yeah. Can the Kaminoans control the clones to attack the Empire? Yeah, which is a very valid fear of Americans. Yeah. So I I do really love how they show like his machinations in this. It's really good. 
Um, my only other note is uh, they they mention all the you know uh, Django Fett's DNA is already degrading degrading a bu- bunch. I'm like, really? Should have <laughs> shot that juice better. In back to world, I mean, like, I, I don't know, lost. like, I know, I you know, like, there's there's people who te- check DNA from cold case check cases, and I'm sure it's degraded and stuff, but they still identify people from DNA from you know a, a slice of hair from from you know 20 years ago so you'd think with their with their super clony technology that they would be able to just sort of like digitize his dna and just have it as a file you know what i mean that they can just put it together or something i don't know how their their clone magic works but like i like i like the whole conversation because it just and you sort of covered that in the in the description, but like it, it sort of go, it sort of makes you go like, oh, they need the, they need so you know the only two like every other clone has been tweaked and play with played with, so the DNA is probably froggy to to you know just make clones out of. So you know the only two clean copies you have are Omega and Boba Fett, and I like that it just sort of opens that up. It's just like you know, yeah. And it's like and, and like they don't know where the fuck it's going to be Omega because she's in the show. But at the same time, you know, it's the Empire, and they're probably gonna they're probably gonna cover all their bases and probably try and get some stuff from you know. If they were really smart, they'd just give Boba Fett a girlfriend to collect. You know. And she could collect all the DNA. I'm not even talking. Keep, keep in well, mind that Bob is like this, 17 right now. So he'd just be like, hi. And she's like, hi, kind shark you love? And he's like, okay. Well, I, I, <laughs> Give me all my Django juice. Yeah, but. Yeah, ew, I mean, he's a minor. Why did I say that? Ew, ew, She could do that too. But she could also, you know, I mean, if she's his girlfriend, she could also like have space tape and pick up skin you know whatever off, i like off, that you went for like the really clean science one and i was like let's check out the 17 well that would you know that would work that Ew. would work too i don't know if you're full yeah i guess your full genetics are, are would be in your in your jungle juice so in your, ba- juice. Ba- in your ba in your baby bat in your boba batter <laughs> <laughs> so so that's all i got for act one we'll end it with boba batter baby batter oh my god i'm tired anyway um okay okay so let me focus better than bantha batter you know how i have said for a while now all throughout when the show was running and also while we were doing rebels um how i kept saying that i felt like bad batch is a safe show maybe not always (laughs) (laughs) i still feel that way Except for about, except for this one horrible scene, killing the civilians and oh. the war crimes, because oh, shit, it is Hope. the exception. Oh shit, Hope! I got I got notes on that that I forgot about because they were between. Oh well, we're yeah. both here. Let's go. Well, yeah, yeah. So since we're on it, it mine are short. Mine are short. It the I it was the, I mean besides being horrible, it really was good at capturing the chaos of it, like it. Beyond Star Wars, where Star Wars is usually two competent team fighting, fighting, this is a slaughter, and it's just chaos. And they have like that that one scene where the person gets shot, they fall down, and their rocket launcher on their back just like goes off and just 
does it like you know in in a lesser movie it would ha- it would like take out somebody or do something cool but it just goes off it just flies off into the jungle and hits the side of a cliff like a ruin, like a ruin yeah. or something yeah and it, it's just it's just chaos it's just chaotic things happening but i think they should have had saw there but i think he would have died he, no, no i think he he like they would. I. I think they. He should have come running out and like they. An explosion. Like it would have been a good opportunity to like blast saw up in the air and into like a river where he gets like carried away. But it would have been a good. A good way to sort. A good. Um, opportunity to scar him up a little bit. You know, add a add a couple scars to him. You know, and just have him just. You know. And you know, just just almost get blasted out of the battle before they can even identify he was there, you know, and just escapes. But he's just horribly injured. It would, I, I think, I mean, it might have been a little too much story for this episode, but it, they could have done it in a couple shots. Well, that's the fun thing about like the show being on Disney Plus now. They don't have to like adhere to like the twenty-one minute right. breakdown. Yeah, they don't have to worry yeah. about commercial breaks and shit. Yeah, they could have um, done it all in a minute. Yeah, but but it would I it, but. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't it wouldn't have it wouldn't have helped the story any at all. It just would have been like a little detail with Saw and his future. But that's all that's all I got. Yeah, like I I constantly talk about how Bad Batch is a bit of a safe show, except for this one scene. The scene is horribly brutal. And it's it's No, you see them killing them. It's it's not just cut away and then you see the lights and see you know, you see people die. You, like you hear it and the f- the sound of the flamethrower and the screaming like i i remember when this episode came out um you know because you know like friday nights i moderate over with pink milk um when they were talking about this episode brian was talking about how like he has a young son who's like seven and he was like actually he was debating whether or not to show his son this episode because it was that fucking brutal and it's one of the one times that this show goes there to that brutality. And it's, it's, and I, I know I'm saying it's horrible and stuff like that. It's really well done. It's yeah. horrific. It, yeah. it makes me like, I remember like my heart, like the, like the sick feeling I felt watching this. And it's so well done to show how there is a point of no return. And it then follows up with Snooty Boy. This this is my next big multi-point line. I actually really like how they set up Snooty Boy to set him up for the twist ending. Because for the first two acts, mostly act two, he's a snooty little bitchy imperial. He has kind of that like critic energy, like oh, I'm good, I'm coming for your job, crosshair, blah, blah, blah. But you know what that scene really reminded me of? Remember how early in season one in Rebels, we were talking about the middle management litmus test. And at the end of season one, there's the scene where Oresco and Grint are beheaded by the Grand Inquisitor and at at Tarkin's wish. And you see two reactions. One, you see Callus just smile because he's passed the middle management litmus test. But then you see Minister Tua freak the fuck out. Yeah. And she's horrified by this. And yeah. she realizes that she's not cut out for this work. Which and means it, she's probably not going to pass the litmus test. <laughs> she didn't pass the litmus test. And what happens in the very next episode? They kill her off. And so that's this 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 is the middle management litmus test that we talked about in Rebels. Snooty Boy failed it. 
because he showed compassion. He showed heart. He saw people who weren't, these are Imperial citizens. We can save them, take them back, get them placed. What, like, you know, he wants to see the good here, which was a really interesting setup because he was the snooty little I'm coming for your job crosshair. And that put crosshair in a point of no return, almost. Because, like, which is why the ending is so interesting. It's also with the season one finale. Because, again, we don't know if his chip is out at this point. We have to assume it's not because of Act 1 and what we saw in Act 1. We have to assume his chip is not out right now. But whenever it comes out, this is still red on his ledger. Like, he still did this. He still not only murdered his his own person, he also told his other three people to commit a war crime. And it's still on him. And so it's really interesting how they took this really shitty character, set him up, and then he was the one with the heart in this scene for Crosshair to cross the line to go too far and then be the one that passes the the middle management litmus test for us to go into the season one finale knowing at some point his chip came out and he's doing all this willingly. It's really, really interesting. And it's really well done because it's so many layers. It's so complicated, but it's wrapped up in this like scene of just horrificness happening <laughs> and it, I, I i love it because it's so yeah well we've and, and 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 we've backed away from that scene once in the show so you usually don't think you're coming back to it so it's it, it tricks you and then it's just like no oh, no we're back on under on and here you go yeah yeah and i think that was also like what they can only speak of war crimes so long before some start to happen because there's a lot of Tarkin wants his goddamn war crimes. I no, want a hundred war crimes, each one of you. I I did think of the joke earlier of like, what if they didn't do this and they came back and Tarkin's like, won't anyone go to Alderaan and kill people for do me? Do I have <laughs> to go there and just kill some babies just to make me happy? Come on. They like like he shows up like the Grim Reaper and he's like, all right, Alderaan, I'm here. Shows up like Thanos, picks up his Infinity Gauntlet. And he's yep. just like, fine, I'll do it myself. And then he blows up Alderaan. He's like, if I can't get Onderon, I'll go after Alderon. Sounds close enough, right? <laughs> I don't care. Uh, I'm uh, that much of an asshole. Uh, we're laughing at genocide. Fake genocide, but still. Um, so, uh, so, which is why, it's, that's why the end moment is so interesting now. Because when Crosshair is sitting in his bunk, all by himself, it's it's not shot exactly like the Callus scene in the honorable ones where Callus has had this like ice journey with Zeb and got his propaganda poked into and is now sitting with the truth. It, it's shot similar, but knowing the finale that he chooses the empire, it changes the context of that final scene. Cause I remember when this episode first dropped and we didn't have the, we didn't know how the rest of the season was going. Everybody was like, Crosshair Redemption, he's having a callous moment, blah, blah, blah. But no, it doesn't. Like, as of right now, as of this recording, season two is not out. We don't know what happens in season two. So as of this right now, it's not a callous moment. It's him just sitting there and probably missing his brothers. We do know he misses the Bad Batch, which is why in the finale he was like, guys, come with me. Please come with me to the Empire. I want to be with you guys. He wants to be with his brothers, but he also has made this choice, which is which really changes the context of the scene, knowing the season one finale. It's not the callous moment. It's the, I'm missing my brothers, but I've also yeah. made this choice and I'm literally sitting in it. 
That's yep. all I have for crosshair. My other two notes are about Omega. Did you have anything else about the crosshair stuff? Nope. Nope. I'm, so, I'm, um, I'm good. My other two notes about Omega, um, there's small notes. Um, I like the Dragon Resolution. Um, I think it's a really good... Yeah. This is a really good character episode for Omega. Um, she's adjusting to her new life. Um, and I like this solution because she has blasters, uh, Hunter's blaster out. If Hunter was there, that thing would be dead. It would not have lived. And I like how she reasons through it. Like, she reads the situation. She sees that the creature's just hungry. And she offers a different solution, being the flashlight. And she gets the MacGuffin without any bloodshed. And I like that because there's there's a moment where she realizes the creature's mimicking her. And we we talked a little bit about in episode one about how like Omega's a little bit of a mimic because she's still trying to figure out who she is. So she's mimicking a lot of the Bad Batch. But she has this moment when she realizes that like she gets scared and pulls away and the dragon kind of gets scared and pulls away. And she reads it. And she's such a smart character that she reasons her way through the ending. And I really like that about her to see her kind of like starting to figure stuff out on her own because she was trying to do what Hunter does. She was like, I'm going to learn how to track. I'm going to be like Hunter. But when she's in the moment, she doesn't act like Hunter, which would have been shooting the creature and going. She acts like Omega. And this is really kind of like the first step where we're kind of seeing how she's different from everybody else because she's starting to find her own footing. I agree with that. Um, and my only other note is, I love the scene when Omega gets her own room. It's it's almost magical. I love the lighting. The lighting has a different feel. I don't know where they got fucking Christmas lights <laughs> on the ship, but you know what? Whatever. Um, and it's just this whole. It's just this really sweet scene. And I like that the lighting of her room is so different from the rest of the ship, which is kind of like dark and manly and blah, blah, blah. But she has this like very colorful little space. And and it's just, it's so sweet. I love the look on her face. I love the music. I love when she sits down and picks up Lula. And she's like, I have my own room. I've never had my own room before. And it's like really that moment of like acceptance. So I just, I love that scene. That scene is just so sweet and I adore it. And I even put it on our Twitter. Like I took a screenshot and I was like, I still love this scene. So, <laughs> yeah. But that's all I have for this arc or this episode. Did you have anything else? No. All right, Chris, we'll score it up for me. I gave an 8.5. Solid. This is, I think this is like a good, like prototype, like solid really good normal episodes got all the ingredients you know that that you're gonna see going forward you know just in in you know it's got action character stuff it's back and forth from the empire it's just it's and it's it's just solidly written and and executed so 8.5 yes we're not that far off no um I, I gave it an 8 out of 10. Um, I think the Bad Batch plot is perfectly fine. There's things I really like in it, um, but overall I think it's a fine plot. The Crosshair plot is great. It's just fucking good. <laughs> it's yeah. so good. So, like, if I would have given the Bad Batch plot a 7, I probably would have gave the Crosshair plot a 9. So I, I took the middle. I gave it an 8 because between the two episodes, yeah, I, it's yeah. a really good episode. Um... 
it's so funny because like i really like the first half of bad batch i'm really really i know i've said this like every week i'm really interested to get to the second half of bad batch because that's where i start running into like the because you're like well that, well that's the thing because you're like this is the prototype for the rest of the show but we go whole chunks of the season without seeing crosshair like yeah, we don't no, see him for like four episodes in a row. It, 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 I should say it should be the or it, you. It feels like the prototype. It feels mm-hmm. like that that a little bit of everything from the show. You know, it seems like here's all the elements of the show going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Anyway, as always, we would love to hear feedback on iTunes, Twitter, and the Two True Freaks Facebook. Facebook page, blah, blah, blah. Um, this week, our feedback comes from Facebook for our Mandalorian episode three for the sin. Take it away, Chris. All right. Well, and this don't is... forget my voice this week. I'm not going to forget your voice. <laughs> so this one's from Mike Zuno. It's 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 not really as much from Mike Zuno. It's a it's a conversation that Hope and Mike Zumo had. And Mike Zumo said, I watched this episode and the Boba Fett episode that brings Din into bat brings Din. Yeah, I'm gonna start it right over. I watched this episode and the Boba Fett episode that brings Din in back to back, and those two episodes dovetail so well together. They mm. really do, because we we had those two week those two episodes maybe like what like two like a week apart, two weeks apart. Like we they we did both of those like like we did this episode. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then we that were episode watching them like that. Yeah, yeah. So they were very close. And uh, it's a neat look at seeing where Din. Oh wait, is this Hope? No, 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 but no. This is still Mike. Okay, yeah, it's I neat. Separated it's a name. neat look at seeing where Din was and where he he is. And I didn't, and I didn't see the armor as a possible villain then, but I do now, which Hope was calling. And Hope says, "I don't see her as a full villain, but I could see her definitely as an antagonist for the show for sure." <laughs> Please say antagonist again. Antagonist. <laughs> Antagonist. Antagonist. It sounds like I have like two extra rows of teeth in my mouth. Antagonist. Why do you want to be? Why do you want to be such an antagonist? Antagonist. Mike says, "I I feel there has to be some kind of regu- reckoning between him and the cult, and the consequences of his actions seemed light. Light. That was the I put the pause in there because there were three dots." Hope says, not always. I mean, that's how I left my church. I came out as queer. My youth leader said, not always. <laughs> God, I'm off my game. Not I was always. like, all right, dude. I mean, I mean this that's was how a I serious, left my ch- This was a serious point I made, but please keep going. <laughs> not always. I mean, that's how I left my church. I came out as queer. My youth leader said I wasn't welcome. I left and didn't go back. Mike said, I figured the only way to leave the Mando cult was feet first. It will be interesting to see. Yeah. I I think they I think they meant to let let him go. I think they wanted to cut him loose because they want him out there doing something. I, I think they I think there I think there's there was a plot machination in, in, in her mind as to that's why he got I you know, I think he did get off light and I think they did that for a reason. Not my, just because she liked him, you know. I don't think that's how it works with that cult. My feeling is before he left, she told him this, like, whole, like, big plot story of, like, you know, the prophecy of the Mandalore and, like, Bo-Katan didn't do it right. That's why Mandalore fell and, and stuff like that. And I don't think that's not purposeful. I think they did that because of the fact 
that she put this plot in her head and in his head and essentially saying, this is your new quest. You have the sword now. This is your quest is to make this prophecy come to be or whatever. I don't know. It's it's yeah, definitely, no, it's definitely yeah, some yeah, purpose. The, the, she's letting him walk off with the dark saber because she's probably trying to get the dark saber into like she's figuring, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll have him do this so it does get into the right hands. And I think that's what's yeah. going to actually happen. <clears throat> Boba Fett Gro- Grogu. So yep, we'll yep, see. Yep. Candy. Yes. So if you don't know, as always, Chris hates American Kit Kats. So our friend Dario sends us candy from I think all these over are the world. American words. though. Yeah, sends us candy from all over the world and America for us to try. And uh, Dario is also Chris's co-podcaster from Eat It and Beat It. And this week we have Kit Kat Key Lime Pie Limited yeah. Edition made from in the USA. I like. Oh, it key lime smells pie. like Key Lime Pie. Smell it. Yeah, it does. Oh my god, I love Key Lime Pie. It's too. got that sharp, weird, like can't put your finger quality of key lime to it. It's like a, a sharp extra liminess, but it's almost like a I haven't even tasted it yet. Mm-hmm. It's good. It yeah, I will sh- very light. I will say, it smells more key lime. When I bit into it, it's a little bit sweeter. I was hoping there would be a little bit more lime taste. It tastes like a very sweet key lime pie. So sweet to the point where the Lime is not there, but you can taste the lime. It's very good. It's like if you took the key lime pie and you mix the the whipped cream on top with the the key lime and it takes some Mm -hmm. of the sour. It doesn't have any sourness to it, but Mm -hmm. it still tastes like key lime and not just regular lime. And I think the thing is, is like, because we love key lime pie in our house. Like, it's one of our, 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 like, when we get desserts, we almost always get key lime pie. So we usually don't get it with the whipped cream. So I'm used to like the sour, like liminess. Mmm. You know what? It's delicious. Mm. Get yourself a bottle of key lime pie ju- juice and just make limeade with it. Mm-hmm. Oh god. Oh yeah. Mmm. Mmm. Daria, this is great. Oh my god. This is delicious. Mmm. Thank you, Daria. Mmm. Well, I don't have anything else, do you? I do not. All right, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That is our website. It has all the 2 True Freaks podcasts from from 2009 up to today, which means tons and tons of podcasts. And um, we are also on Facebook. We have the 2 True Freaks podcast page where you can go to, to also see, see and find links to our podcast whatever newest shows are coming out including Jay Guys and Jedi and uh, we have the Two True Freaks Cantina which is a place to hang out and we also have Gene Gene the Wild West Machine I would make a funny sound but I'm still eating these Kit Kats Gene <laughs> I'm like devouring these That's other, just like the last Kit thing Kats I, did. I was just the last thing I did with Gene we were out in the Wild West but mm. um um, yeah, he runs our Twitter page, and you can also find all our shows on Twitter there if you want to go grab them and share them around Twitter, as people are wont to do. That's one of the one of the more wholesome and useful activities you can perform on Twitter, other than just like yelling at everybody, just yelling at everybody. And 
and uh, that's about it. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find me chewing Kit Kats. <laughs> um, I stopped eating. I, I, I ate like uh, just one Kit Kat of it because I have half of a, a steak Philly sub that I'm going to eat after this. And this is the rest of this is going to be my dessert. Mm, I'm hungry. I had dinner. I'm hungry too. I, I had I, dinner like I, four I hours ago. It, but yeah. Mm. All right. <clears throat> Gene, that was so good. Oh my god. Or Daria, that was so good. Oh my god. Um, Alright, you can find me at Jai on Twitter. That's our Twitter account. I run it. You can also find me at Hope Molinax. I also work for the Geeky Waffle. Um, by the time this episode comes out, I will be returning to my Owl House and Amphibia recaps. Especially Amphibia. I'm very sad. The show's about to end. And I'm very sad that it's ending. But you can read all my work over on Geeky Waffle. And sometimes you can find me on Space Waffles, which is run by my friend Arzu. And that is the Star Wars podcast for the Geeky Waffle Network. Chris! Guess what? What? Ming Na Wen is back next week because we're going to have Finnick in next week's episode. Oh! Yeah! Finn's coming back. And she's going to be doing cool things. And we get to see her as a young baby. You know, kicking ass as a baby. It's going to be great. I actually really like this Echo in this episode. This is probably my favorite Echo episode. When he's like... Oh, your favorite Echo-sode? Ah! Yes, very much so. But, yeah. Oh, and we get... Oh, we get... We get... We get a resistance reference in this episode too, Ooh. so I was really excited about it. So it was probably not going to see that very often. So I know it was one of those things that, like, when I was watching this episode, I heard it before I saw it, and like I snapped my head up, and I was like, "Is that what I think it is?" And the reference like rolled on screen, and I was like, "It is what I think it is." So I'm excited. So come back next week, you guys, because we're going to be talking about the Bad Batch episode four cornered bye bye <laughs> visit our website at two true freaks.com two true freaks is always spelled t-w-o-t-r-u-e-f-r-e-a-k-s you can email Two True Freaks directly at Two True Freaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Freaks.
And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards. <laughs>